The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. We are so happy to have you with us tonight. Merry Christmas to all of you. Good singing this evening and wonderful to come together to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'd like to begin this evening by reading the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. Not sure if you have your Bibles with you or even if you could see them if you did. But Luke chapter 2, we'll read the, about the birth of Christ. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid." And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Most of you that have been here in Berean Baptist Church, you know that I'm not really prone to do things impromptu. I... uh, prepare weeks sometimes in advance uh, before I bring a message. It might not always sound like it that I did, but I do. But this morning, something came into my, to my inbox, and uh, I thought it was so good that I wanted to read it to you, and it uh, prefaces the message that I want to bring you tonight. Unfortunately for you, it lengthens it just a little bit, too. The, the title of this article that came to me is, Why we know so little about Jesus' birth. 
While it has been the subject of billions of dramatizations and endless speculations, the historian Luke gives it all of one sentence, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It's almost frustrating, isn't it? If I had been writing the story of Jesus' life, I would have written paragraphs and pages. I would have explained why Mary was traveling with Joseph to begin with, why no one in Bethlehem welcomed them into their home, why there was no better place for them to stay than a barn, and who was with them when that baby was born, and so much else. I would have filled out all of those details and removed all the speculation. God does not give us all the details we want, but he always gives us the details we need. But you know what? I probably would have drowned the story in detail. We see it often in the Bible. God does not give us all the details we want, but he always gives us the details we need. When it comes to the birth of Jesus, we get all the details we need to understand one thing with the utmost clarity. Jesus comes as the least. Luke opens this part of his account of Jesus' life with the name of Caesar Augustus, the mighty emperor, the man who can speak a word and make millions of people do his bidding. With a word, he can force them to travel significant distances to do something as simple as register for taxation. This is Caesar the strong, Caesar the proud, Caesar the powerful. He is the greatest emperor of the greatest empire and the mightiest man on the planet. And then Luke switches his attention to a little baby born in the most ignominious circumstances, born to a virgin, born away from home, born in a barn, laid to rest in a feed trough. The contrast is powerful and undeniable. We'd imagine, of course, that the Messiah would be born high, a son of great privilege. We would expect that he would be born in circumstances more befitting a king. He should have been born to royalty, not to peasants. He should have been born in a palace, not a barn. He should have been born surrounded by the finest doctors who would have safely ushered him into the world. But no, everyone in town turns away his parents. They have nowhere else to go, so he's born in a barn and is laid to rest in a feeding trough. Why? Because God will teach us something through Jesus. He will teach us that we see this world completely backwards. He will teach us that the way to be great in God's eyes is to be nothing in the world's eyes. He will teach us that the way to exaltation is through humiliation, that the way to go high is to go low. And he will teach it first and best through his very own son, who though he was in the form of God, did not count it equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He came as the least, and he came for the least. In our text that I read to you tonight, in verses 8 and 9 of Luke chapter 2, and there were, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. One of my favorite Christmas carols is, O Holy Night. The range of that song, the highs and the lows, keep most of us from singing it. But when you hear someone who can sing that song well, that is one of my favorite Christmas carols. The night on which Jesus was born was truly a holy night because it was a night that transformed history. And when I say it transformed, 
I mean that the history of man began with a great tragedy. Only days after God created Adam, perhaps days, not a very long time, the Bible indicates, uh, Adam sinned against God. The Bible begins in Genesis chapter 1 by telling us that God created the world in six days that he created everything. And then God looked at what he had created and he said and saw everything that he made and said, It's all good. Everything that I have created is good. Everything that God created was in holiness and and in righteousness. Man was created holy. Man was created without sin. He was innocent until shortly after the creation tragedy struck. God put Adam in the garden and told him that he had access to everything that was there. All the herbs, all all the plants, all the trees. He gave him access to everything but one tree. You know the story. God told him, you're not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Adam disobeyed God and Adam ate of that tree. And God told Adam that if he ate of that tree, before he said, if you eat of that, you will die. But Adam did eat of that tree. Adam fell from his innocent state, and he became a sinner. And when he fell, he lost fellowship with God. And from that disobedience, every person born into the world is without fellowship with God. All of us are plunged into the despair of sin. There is no holiness and righteousness in us. We lost all of that. We lost the very thing that was required for us to have fellowship with God. But God wasn't content to leave man in that state. Before Adam sinned, he already knew what Adam would do. And so, before he created anything, he prepared a way in which holiness and righteousness would be restored. I think it's very interesting that God never let Adam spend one holy night in the garden without knowing that God would provide a way to rekindle the very thing that Adam lost, to rekindle that fellowship with him. So immediately after he sinned, God gave Adam a promise. Uh, he said there's going to come a redeemer. He said this to Eve and Adam, Adam and Eve, right there in the Garden of Eden, right after it happened, moments after that sin, after the fall, God said that he would come into the world himself. He would come here in the flesh. He turned to the serpent who deceived Eve and he spoke, spoke what we call the Proto-Evangelium, the first words of the gospel, the first preaching of the gospel. Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's God speaking to Satan, saying, This is what I will do, and at the same time making a promise to man. It was a promise that one day there would come a holy night. That a woman, a virgin, would conceive and she would bear a son and he would crush the serpent's head. He would enable the restoration of man into holiness and righteousness that was lost in Adam. And this man would be a second Adam. One who would undo what Adam did. He would be the head of a redeemed race. Charles Wesley expressed it in his Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. He said it this way, Adam's likeness Lord, efface, stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. Let us thee, though lost, regain thee the life, the inner man. O to all thyself impart, formed in each believing heart. And so God didn't leave us in despair. He gave us hope. 
There was a holy night. Jesus came into the world to change forever what Adam did. Now, just very briefly, I want to uh, tell you some changes that were made on the holy night. What, what happens because, or what happened because Jesus was born? Well, there was a young Galilean virgin named Mary who was changed. I mean, how could we imagine how she was changed by this birth? Nine months earlier, an angel appeared to her. She was a very young girl. She was engaged to be married, and I'm sure, like most young ladies who are to be married, she anxiously awaited the, that ceremony or whatever they did at that time, the marriage to the man that she loved. But the angel came to her with sobering news. She would become pregnant before the marriage, and God had chosen her body to bring into the world the one who had the power to make all people holy that her body would give life to the incarnate Son of God. Well, it was nine months before that, that she was changed from being just another young girl among thousands of Galilean girls to one who was highly favored by God. During that time, Mary must have wondered many times, was I dreaming when I heard this? Am I really carrying the Son of God? What will it be like when, he, when he's born? What will that birth look like? The world had never seen anything like this before, and so Mary surely wondered, how will I give birth to the Son of God? Well, on the holy night, there were shepherds that rushed to the cattle stall where the baby was born. The glory of the Lord had shone around them. God had shown His glory from heaven, and the angels spoke to the shepherds and told them about this baby that was born in Bethlehem. And so they rushed to the scene where He was, and Mary saw these shepherds coming and then bowing to worship this one, and then they went and told that the Messiah was born. Then the Bible says that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Oh, she would have many days when she would wonder about Jesus. Um, She would see him grow physically and learn spiritually. She would see him increase in wisdom and in favor with God and man. But then she would also see him rejected. When he entered into his public ministry, She would hear him preach, and she would see him perform miracles. But then she would see him hated, despised, and then finally nailed to a cross. Mary's life was so uncommon, and she was changed by that holy night when Jesus was born. And then, of course, we have to think about Joseph. He was changed. Joseph expected he would marry a normal Galilean girl. Uh, The marriage would be just like all other marriages that had come before, just like his father and his mother, just like his grandmother and his grandfather. But this wasn't an ordinary marriage. Joseph, the Word of God says, was a just and he was an upright man. There wasn't any impropriety in his life. And of course, he would most likely be the one who was charged with this, of Mary being pregnant before the marriage. So an angel came to him to explain all these extraordinary events. How could he believe such a thing could happen? Mary, though, had not been unfaithful. And the first son that he must raise and to be a father was, was not his, but belonged to the seed of the Holy Spirit. And so he also must have wondered during those nine months of pregnancy, how will it all play out? How how will I raise a son to respect me as a father when he himself is God and he is one with the eternal father? How do I do that? What a dilemma that must have been for Joseph. But then that holy night came and the baby was born and all Joseph's fears were set aside because Jesus appeared 
as a normal baby. He was a baby to be loved and cherished, to grow and to be counseled and to be bounced on a father's knee just like every little baby. And so Joseph became a proud father of a little boy and his life was changed forever. Now just as importantly as what happened to those two people, the holy night was a night that changed the world. People, animals, and even the earth itself would be changed by this night. If I could go back to the thought for a moment of the, of the promise that God made in the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam fell in the garden, his holiness and righteousness were lost, and because of that fall, God put a curse on the whole world. It's not just a curse on Adam, but all creation was cursed in the fall. The ground was cursed. Briars and thorns and thistles would grow up and choke out all the plants that were in the garden. Adam would have to to work much harder, toil with difficulty to provide food for his family. And even the pain of childbirth, that was a result of of Adam's sin. Even Mary's labor to give birth to this Christ child was a result of the fall. And the animal kingdom was cursed. Animals became predators and prey. Death reigned over the entire world. All because of that sin, because of the fall. But this was a night that would change the world. Men and women, boys and girls, the animal kingdom and even the earth itself would all be healed because of this holy night. In Romans, the apostle Paul wrote, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So the Son of God came on that holy night to change that. The Son would go to the cross of Calvary. He would deliver the world from the curse. People are saved. They're delivered from their sins and the judgment of God in only one way. And that is through personal faith in Jesus Christ, in that sacrifice that he made. So anyone who turns to him in faith will be delivered from the fall of Adam. The Bible tells us that all who believe will be changed. And one day, all will be given. Those who believe in him will be given an incorruptible body that is made just like the body of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, For as in Adam all die... Even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. All who believe in him shall be made alive. He writes also, And so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening or a life-giving spirit. In the 53rd verse of 1 Corinthians 15, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. And the Apostle John followed up the Apostle Paul's words in John 3, verse 2, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. People are changed because of this holy night. The curse on mankind will be lifted because Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, came into the world. But also the scriptures tell us that the everlasting kingdom of God will come to this earth, and this earth will be delivered from the curse. In Isaiah chapter 11, it talks about the great kingdom that God will bring. Everything will be healed then, 
The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. Many fail to understand that Christmas carols like Joy to the World that we'll sing in a few minutes are much more about Christ's second advent when he comes into the world. It was a holy night. Because of this night, the whole world will once again be restored to holiness. So it's a night that changed two parents, a night that changed the world. But I also want you to know that it was a night that changed a man. Now, if you indulge me for just a moment to speak to you a little more personally, there was a night where what Jesus Christ did changed a man. And the man that it changed was me. The angel appeared to Mary and said, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. I was in that number when the angel said, He shall save his people from their sins. And you say to me, Well, how do you know that you're in that number? Well, first I would tell you it's not because of anything I did. It wasn't because God looked down through time and saw that I would be good or saw that I would have faith or I would do anything. God saw no reason in me to include me in that number. There's only one reason that I'm saved, and that is by the mercy and grace of God. And God chose me not based upon any merits of my own, but on the merits of Jesus Christ and what He did because of His life, His perfect life. It's because of His righteousness and His holiness that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. And that night that Jesus came to me, I'd call that a holy night because He saved me by His grace. Then I would also tell you that I know I'm saved. I don't have any doubt that I'm a child of God and I'm on my way to heaven. How do I know that? Because Paul explained in that same chapter in Romans that I read a moment ago about how the world would be delivered from the curse. Just before that, he said, The Spirit also beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So he was speaking there of the Holy Spirit. And do you know that it's the same Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary? And that same Spirit planted the seed of God in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And that same Holy Spirit is one who came into my heart. The one who saved me from my sins, who told me uh, to believe in Jesus as the Savior revealed Christ to me. So that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Christ Himself, lives in me. And every day He lets me know, I am a child of God. Then He also tells me that He'll never depart from me. Hebrews says, For he has said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. And when Jesus came on that holy night, he came to live in the hearts of his people forever. That, that holy birth in a sanctified stable happened on a holy night and it changed everything forever. And so now there is a king who, who sits on the throne in his glorified body, And these are the words that he speaks. Behold, I make all things new. Or in other words, I change all things. In Revelation 21, 
It says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So thank God I am changed, and I also am a son of God. By the new birth, I am a son of God. Now, I, I want to ask you in this Christmas season of 2018, it's more than 2,000 years after that holy night, have you been changed? Does, does the holy night of Bethlehem mean anything to you? Are you here simply tonight because this is the thing that people do on Christmas Eve? No, I want Christmas to mean what it should to you this year. And so if you haven't already, I hope this is the holy night that you would receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. To receive the Son of God. And then you can know, just as I know, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. And you can know, as I know, that He'll never leave you or forsake you. Jesus is not a baby any longer. He's no longer in the manger. He became a man. He went to the cross. He died. And he arose again to save his people from their sins. My question for you is, are you one of his people? I hope that you are. And you may ask me, how can I know that I'm one of his people? Trust him. And then you'll know. And it'll be a holy night for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who came into the world to save us from our sins. Father, we are so grateful that you loved us without measure. Father, that you sent your Son into the world, that he left his holy place in heaven, that he came to this earth and lived and died as a man. He gave up his life for us and the greatest sacrifice that was ever made and paid the penalty of our sins on the cross of Calvary. Lord, this is what Christmas is about. This is why Jesus came into the world to be born of the Virgin Mary without sin. So he could live that perfect life that he could give to us by faith in him. Lord, I do pray that you'd speak to all hearts here tonight. We praise you for the ones that already know you as Savior and claim themselves to be sons and children of God. But we pray for those who aren't. We pray for those who haven't seen that holy night themselves. I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit would convict them and bring them to faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.